Morris is the founder of The Long Acre, which he uses to define the incredible journey he's been on so far. From being adopted as a baby, to false accusations as a teenager, through his relentless work ethic and passion for farming, Morris is an advocate for free speech and truth amongst the confusing narratives of today's world. Morris, the man, the myth, the legend. I'm delighted to have you in the podcast. Uh, you're a man that I started following a few years ago, probably in the middle of the epidemic and the COVID. And mm. he was a man like myself who was uh, freely speaking his mind and uh, pushing back against the narrative. And I thought, this is a man on my side and uh, I've been following you ever since. And I admire what you do. You, you speak your mind, you're not afraid to do so. Uh, a lot of what you say is, is truth. It's harsh truths that people don't like but people as well also need to pay attention to. And of course, there's many that don't. But it doesn't stop you. You keep persevering, you keep pushing on, and you uh, keep speaking your mind, and it's inspirational. It's needed. And you have the uh, the Long Acre brand, and I thought it was quite uh, pivotal that, that this was the, uh, the brand name you have, because I know yourself, you've been on quite a journey, and... Yeah. An acre consists of uh, over 4,000 square feet. And uh, I was thinking, I wonder what that first foot looked like for you in terms of the start of the journey. Can you bring us back to that? Yeah, well, the the first step of my journey was 31st of May, 1994. So I'm turning 30 this May. And uh, the 30-30s. So, yeah, look, I was born... um, into almost a pre-arranged uh, situation where, you know, my adoption had been organized before my birth. And, you know, to that, I'm eternally grateful and in other ways, eternally suffered because of it. But I don't look at it that way because it's purely subconscious how it affects you. But it's very much your conscience now is how you deal with it. And, uh, you know, look, I was blessed with two great adoptive parents and equally, I was blessed with my biological parents that created me. Um, and look, you take the good and the bad with it. Um, and it really, after that, it's just, it's just all how, how, you, how your perspective views what you go through, you know. So I was adopted into a family who were from Dublin who were unable to have children. And uh, my biological mother, I know, took great, I suppose, responsibility and love in the fact that you know, my biological mother chose her and agreed to hand me over and take on that responsibility. And they took that responsibility very seriously. Um, and they done their absolute best by me. I, I'd always say that. And my adoptive sister would say the same. Um, she's about three years younger than me. And, you know, they gave us the best life they possibly could. And also had to deal with some, you know, challenging times dealing with me and her and maybe the psychological effects of coming to terms with being adopted. Um, they always reared us like they told us very early on it was only a small child when they told us that we were adopted and you know I remember them saying my mother saying I'm your mother but I'm not your tummy mother and that was the way they explained it to us and you know ultimately that that gives you comfort because they always instilled in us that it was our love you're giving up you know someone's trying to give you a better life and a better life they gave me um, and yeah I suppose just just it took off from there, really. You know, does it bring a sense of confusion though when you when you hear that as a young kid? I think 
look, as much as people could instill in you that you're giving up, I will love, I think it's still very hard for a child to come to terms with that, you know, because ultimately you are going to think that you weren't loved and you're going to think that you weren't wanted and you're going to, and I suppose it's only as I got older and I honestly said this, it wasn't until I was even in maybe the last kind of four or five years of my life that I've actually sat at night kind of thinking about different things and how I viewed it and it's only the more I've educated myself by watching you know, some of these psychologists online or child psychologists and they're explaining the child's psyche and how the child interprets things and that has given me, you know, the upper hand in, in trying to understand myself. And it's definitely only in the last kind of five, six years I've really come to terms with why I am the way I am, who I am and how it has, uh, you know, affected me at this stage of my life and how it affects you in friend relationships or personal relationships, girlfriends, your mother, whatever, whatever the case may be, and how it all ties in is just, you know, it's mind-boggling, but it's important to actually try and try and get a grasp on it. What was that two, three, four-year-old, five-year-old Morris like then? A happy-go-lucky little child, you know, I would say I was always smiling and stuff. And, you know, when I've spoke to my aunties or my uncles, they always said I was a happy little child um, and a loving little child too, you know. But I think probably then as you become more conscious I think then I started going back in on myself because maybe you'd have something said to you like, I remember, you know, kids could say, well, they're not your parents, you know, or like, that's not really your cousin or, and then things can start eating away at you. As I said, subconsciously, you know, I was never that much of a crying child. I don't think so. Like from speaking to my mom and stuff, I was never like, you know, that sort of a sad child, but um, I was kind of grinning and bearing it probably in a lot of ways too, you know. Were you suppressing the tears though, do you think? Yeah. It's it's a, push, I'd, push, I'd, pushing it down. Yeah, it's say suppressing a certain amount, you know, and it's um, it's only when you would probably watch other kids and their parents or things like that. Certain things would obviously trigger it or whatever. Um, looking back now, but at the time, obviously, I had no understanding of that because, as I said, my, my adoptive parents gave me all the love you could possibly give, you know. They, they really and truly did and you know I was talking to a friend of mine not that long ago and he was on about how his parents handled him when he was younger and this, I was like if you had the same resources as them and the same knowledge as them which is fuck all because nobody teaches you obviously how to parent like or you read it in a book and that's about it especially back then where there was yeah. very limited like in the 90s you know like this is the late 90s um, could they have done any better could you do any better of a job no you couldn't and then if you're dealing with a child like in my case where it's a slightly different scenario you know, and you're dealing, like, you don't actually have the tools to deal with that. You might do, but there's two options. It's like, do you slap them or do you give them the, you know, uh, two lovey-dovey treatment? And I don't think either is good, but a balance of both is great. Um, you know, like, I'd have no problem saying, like, we got slapped when we were kids. I don't think it was one bit bad. Would I hit my own kids? I don't know. I don't have kids, so that's not a decision I can make. Do you know what I mean? But... I definitely wouldn't. I never resented my outlet as I got older for hitting me. I said, geez, you didn't fucking hit me hard enough at times, you know? So, you know. But you would have more of an educated decision if yeah. you were to become a father in now, today's world yeah. because there's so much more education around it in terms of how to parent your kids. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Which they didn't have. Yeah. And I it, it's a big thing for, I, for I, a lot of people, a lot of anger and resentment towards their parents. Absolutely, yeah. But the, the, the thing, even apart from watching all the different people now that you can, like, information is everywhere. There's an abundance of information. Even from my own upbringing now, I'd look back and there would be warning signs to me as to what's going on. 
if I had kind of a wild young lad or stuff like that and maybe how I now feel like I should have been dealt with. Do you know? Yeah, there was times, do give him a kick in the arse. It's no harm. But there's other times that maybe, whether he wanted or not, maybe he just needed a hug. Mightn't have been accepting of a hug. But maybe if you hugged him long enough, it would break him down ever so slightly. And I would notice that now, like, um, only two weeks ago, I went to, I think it's a Brett work group, it's a Kundalini kind of healing experience. I don't know, you might have seen I had it up. Yeah. It's with a lady there called uh, Aline with Leanne. And, like, very hard for me to break extremely hard now that I remember that woman took my hand you're basically lying there on a yoga mat and she took my hand and I just burst out crying like because it's that connection now obviously that lady is kind of clairvoyant and different things and there's an element of energy involved with that but like that child is still in there yeah she's she's, she's tapping into the depth of yeah, yeah. who you are and, and, and the depth is the perhaps the sad lonely yeah. you confused child yeah you just yeah. don't know but I think as well as men we're constantly just pushing it to one side. You're constantly getting stuff and just piling it, piling it, piling it. And I know even from the last couple of years now, a couple of different things go on and my adoptive father passed and different things. And you're constantly, yeah, I'll deal with that later. And you're stacking it there and it's like a big leaning tower of Pisa coming up beside you. And it's like, what is going to be the, you know, the pin to burst the bubble? And it's very hard for lads to maybe find a space when it is okay to burst that bubble. Mm. And even still, like i seen in in that group setting, now there was other women there and stuff. I released a bit, but I couldn't fully. Why not? Probably, uh, I'd say self-shame, isn't it? W- would you think that, Gav, with a lot of men, like it's probably a shame aspect? Yeah, um, you, you're, you're ashamed to feel a certain way because yeah, of we're not, the we're type like, of reaction you felt mm. when you did express yourself in a certain yeah. way as a child, that it was wrong or bad yeah. for you to be angry or to be sad or be happy because yeah. you're provoking some underlying difficulties within yeah. your parent and it's an angry response and the anger response is signaling to you as a child that you're not loved or you're not wanted mm. when you act in this way. So you you become very defensive around your feelings, yeah. And Yeah, so like you see that with, with like I suppose, look, I've seen it with friends of mine and stuff and you'd see the pain in them but no more than myself, like you wouldn't let it out. Do you know, and it's then where do you start putting all that? You know, like I can say, like sitting here today, I actually feel fine. I have felt fine for years. I've dealt with, let's say, 90% of what bothered me. But I still think there's obviously more left. And it's actually more now, at this stage, like all the rest of it was surviving. When I look back, it's like, get over this, push on from this. Whereas now I think it's more of a case, I actually have to feel love with myself or be able to express it. Do you know what I mean? It's like a softness is needed now. Whereas up to now, it very much was like just fucking grin and bear it. So it's like the lack of love you perhaps felt towards your biological mother has affected the love you have for yourself. Although you got so much love from your adopted mother and your adopted parents, there's a... There's there's some sort of psyche there of like, yeah, like I'm not saying, Jesus, I want everyone to start hugging me because I actually hate being hugged. But but that's the problem something like, on that too, this, is, yeah. this is the issue like, <laughs> like you, you you know that there's that like awkward social aspect there because if you had a girlfriend you have no problem being intimate with them or you have no problem but that's intimacy on a different level and then you're separating that intimacy so now you're cutting a knife down the line you're saying well you know that's love and intimacy that's sex now you have a problem and it's like, yeah, you can cuddle on the couch, but like if we start talking about feelings, get the fuck away from me. And that's what most lads are doing. I know that I'm guilty of it myself. I've done it lots of times. 
where you're just like, I'm not going down there because I don't want to get upset and I don't want to be vulnerable in front of you. And then the problem for a lot of lads when they do actually decide to be vulnerable, it'll get thrown back in their face. With the wrong woman. With yeah. the wrong woman. Yes. But like it gets thrown back in their face with, you know, oh, you told me about this, that and the other and that's why you're this, you know, all, you start getting all these buds words thrown at you and all of a sudden the grand little thing you had, now you're the big problem. And then we don't have the tools to deal with that either. So you go to this breathwork class. Is this something in you that's longing for a space to freely ex- express no, yourself? That, that was literally seen on Instagram and I was like, I give that a shot. Like just, I suppose it's something like that. You just, you know. But you're being drawn towards something. Yeah, to, definitely to you're drawn to that. A yeah. safe space. Yeah, just but, as you mentioned there, your vulnerability could be used yeah. against you. But you go to this breathwork class. Yeah. But that was, it's, as I said, a that, safe, was a, that was a one time off and... Um, I suppose you're with a bunch of strangers and that part makes it easier too, do you know? Now I had done some other previous things, kind of holistics and different things and I find that area very interesting. There's a lot to it. I'm not part of the club who want to go off and do an ayahuasca every weekend. That's not for me. I don't think that's the cure to your issues but definitely an element of just grounding, meditation, different things like that has massive benefits, especially if you're maybe like myself or yourself where you're going 90 constantly. You know, like even though I be with the animals and I'm relaxed, your mind is still thinking of what goals, plans, whatever is going on, you know. Do you do any of that then? The the grounding, the yeah, have you taken some like, breath work with you or like I've I've done different things over the years, but I suppose I kind of lived that in a sense. Cause when I don't know, you've seen videos of me like I'll be down with my dogs at the pond and stuff and like you don't need to think of anything down there. True. You're in the I, freezing cold water. Yeah, exactly. You're in the pond. Everything else, everything else goes out the window, do you know? Um, your mind can't rest. Like you get in the ocean every day. Wouldn't be quite my cup of tea now. Um, I like to gradually wake that's up not, in the morning. That's not mine either. That's, I know, why, yeah. that's why I do it. Yeah, but you look, lots of lads are dealing with that, doing yeah. that, you know, yeah. to deal with, as I do say, the, bra- the brain maggots. Mm-hmm. And and I, I suppose I can say, I'm lucky in the last couple of years, I don't suffer with the brain maggots. Interesting. I haven't heard that one before. Yeah. It's like, do you know that? That noise of just like, it's just noise in your head. Mm. You're thinking of everything. You're thinking of the TV show you watched, what your mother said to you 10 years ago. What did that girlfriend think of me? Why am I this? Why am I that? Did I go, should I be going to the gym? Should I be eating this? Like it could be any element of your life, but it's all happening at the same time. But it's exposing cracks in your foundation. Yeah. But, but the only thing is, you see lads that have like, as I said, like just brain rot or head rot, like they're constantly trying to get that distraction trying to distract themselves from it. Whereas I had a couple of incidents happen to me where I had no choice but to sit there and listen to myself. Go on, give us one. Well, whether it was through injury or whatever, like last year, I hurt my back pretty bad. I fell on a lump iron. I got, so I was up on the couch for a good while. That wouldn't suit a man in, like you now, would it? No. <laughs> and you're in a house, I was living in a house at the time, like there was no reception, so I couldn't even use the phone. The TV was about two channels. And it was an element of just thinking that time last year. Like, that's the most recent example I have. And I had a lot of things going on last year. And, you know, point, you just have to sift through it. Because otherwise you end up like other lads who go, you know, they take take the rope or they do something else because they can't deal with that noise. Now, okay, some nights it might keep you up all night. But come the morning, you're going to be tired enough that you're going to give up on what you're fighting yourself about or whatever the case is. And you just have to go off and you have to deal with life. So you had, you had that physical pain, but the, that also brought up a lot of emotional pain? Yeah, I think physical pain is nothing compared to emotional. What was some of the pain that came up? Uh, like at the time, I 
as I said, I had a couple of deaths the last couple of years and it's coming to grips with them. You know, because like as a man, if you go to a funeral nowadays, like you have to be there for other people. That's the expectation, yeah. Well, yeah. Mm. But I think rightfully so too. Like, you know, fucking dry your eyes when you're at it. Be the strongest man at your father's funeral. Yeah. As yeah. Jordan Peterson would say, yeah. Yeah, well, like I stood over my father's grave when we put him on the ground and um, I actually sang in the graveyard, like, and, you know, when you're when you're standing there and everyone's watching you and, like, you haven't time to break down. You have to do that for them as he would do for you in that case, you know, or whatever. And, um, but still, you need to grieve his loss. Yeah, yeah. That's the problem. Like, I remember coming, like, I remember coming, I remember driving back from the funeral back to my house and just having to pull inside the road, like, and I mean, out nearly puking on the side of the road in convulsions from just pure emotions of not being able to come to grips and feeling like you were robbed. Because I felt like I was robbed. I was robbed of him. I felt as a family we were robbed of him. Now, really looking at it now, I feel like how grateful we were to know there was a bit of warning. There was different things. Like other people just literally get a phone call, your dad's dead. I was beside him when he died in the bed, like, you know. So then you nearly feel, you know, feel like a gobshite then otherwise like why am I being so selfish do you know and sometimes you but have then again are you shaming, your, shaming yourself for feeling sad you know this is the problem but you're constantly doing that through life and I've seen that in myself sometimes like I'm, it's, it's you know it's that Irish cliche thing sure there's always someone worse do you know yeah so your feelings don't matter yeah but this is what like what I've found yeah. I have done to myself for mm-hmm. years that's the conditioning yeah yeah but it is the conditioning of old men Mm. it is that Irish old man mentality like get over yourself it'll be fine whatever you know yeah. was they stand in the pub and drink 15 pints of mm-hmm. Guinness and yeah. that becomes their therapy you know? that's their therapy yeah. yeah exactly yeah so have you come become better with processing feelings or is this, is this I would say challenge yeah, yeah no I think like you know I have a good grasp on it but I don't think you, you're not perfect like mm. but it's definitely I don't know, you probably find this, the more stuff you read into, the more stuff you watch, the more stuff you learn, the more problems you find you probably have, whereas ignorance is bliss. Mm-hmm. Do you know, like there's lads who go to the pub three nights a week and are snorting coke and playing football and doing whatever. And although they're miserable in other ways, but they can't see those ways. Not whereas, exactly bliss now, is it? Not bliss, but you, 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 I think you can I understand what you're saying, though. Yeah, yeah. like a head, I always say, like, blessed are those with heads like handball alleys. Do you know? Because if you don't know about the problem, it's never going to be a problem. But you don't allow yourself to know about the problem. Yeah. You don't give yourself that space yeah. because of the shame that's attached yeah. to the feelings. Where, yeah. Whereas maybe me or you or somebody who who is just, I don't know, exploring themselves or exploring what life has, you start, you could read something and you go, fuck it, geez, I kind of tick three out of ten of those boxes. Should really fix that or should work on that. Or, you know, and then that becomes, although it's it's good for you, it becomes a problem too. Because now you are trying to deal with that on top of the other 101 things you should be dealing with. And it becomes addictive. This constant self-improvement thing becomes addictive. Yeah. And I think it can be as equally damaging as it can be beneficial to yourself. And how has it been damaging for you? Um... You're going to, at times, you're going to have to sacrifice certain things you wanted. Such as? Time, relationships. You know that. Like, mm. the, the more you work on yourself, the less people you like, and the less people like you. And that's a big one. 
Mm. You don't fit in that circle anymore. And then maybe you get that self-doubt, which is maybe I'm just an asshole. Maybe they're okay. I'm the asshole. I'm the problem. But if you're not resonating on their frequency anymore, if you can't sit there and talk about cars and fucking women and drinking pints, and like if you just can't sit in that space anymore because it just doesn't do anything for you, you have to go. You can play, like you can blend in with the boys for an hour or two, but you can't do it all day every day because then you end up stuck in that cycle that they're in. And they're fine. They're happy at it. But if you want more, you have to do more and you have to get regimental in what you want. Like I'm always saying, like, like it's easy to go to the pub. So it's easy to go drinking when you're at the pub. It's easy to, you know, be a degenerate. Like, it's fine if you're happy doing it. But you can't say it end that like, I'm not getting what I want when you're doing all them things. That's basically my point. And I'm going a long way around trying to explain no, that. I understand. Like, yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a void that you step into when you're going mm-hmm. on this path of personal growth yeah, and the yeah. void is where you get very uncomfortable because the void yeah. is where you step in It's, it's trying to bring own. you back all the time. Yeah, you've been drawn back with mm. the friends because of the pain of the loneliness. Yeah. It's, as I said, it's there alone and you have to be, mm. you have to have a, a serious level of intention to continue moving forward and belief in yourself that this is the right road. And sometimes you'll need support and yeah. accountability to get yeah. to that and point. That's, and I understand why lads go to say it likes yourself because they need literally maybe that text that says, did you do this today? They need that accountability. Mm-hmm. Like I know I lost that when, when my father passed. I lost a certain amount of accountability through him. He was my best friend. Now we fought like cats and dogs, but he was my best friend. Like I could have rang my father two, three times a day or he could have rang me or whatever the case and we'd be sending reels to each other on how it's made, a DIY project, whatever the case. It was that kind of a bond. And you know, when that was gone, I, I know that first year after my dad passed, like, very hard. And I reached out to you one day in a message, like, and it was just to be able to say to someone, this is fucking hard. I don't have anyone to talk to. I don't have anyone to ring. Well, you can ring them, but it's, it's, it's a waste of time. It's like talking to a Chinese man the other end of the phone because it's not your language. Mm-hmm. It's not how you conversed. Maybe it was toxic how you conversed. Maybe you fucked the heads off each other. But maybe that's what you both needed because he couldn't ring anyone and fuck the head off him. And I couldn't, but we could fuck each other off, you know. And that works. Mm-hmm. Lads would laugh at that, but that actually could work mm-hmm. for, you know. And when it's gone, you miss it. Mm-hmm. That's that's one thing I will say to people, you miss it. Have you been able to fill that void? No, definitely not. I haven't filled the void, but I suppose you, you progress into understanding that you have to fill your own void now. And that's like, not that you're going to sit in front of the mirror talking to yourself, but you know, you have to get that level of accountability, I suppose. But he's also instilled incredible values in oh, you yeah. that you take oh, yeah. with you. Yeah, so uh, unbelievable, yeah. Which which have been, I'm sure work ethic is, is one of them. Is oh, work ethic, yeah. And like, um, you know, I suppose his attitudes towards maybe like alcohol and drugs and all them things definitely instilled in me. You know, but I would always say, like my father was a gentleman. I wouldn't class myself as a gentleman. But I just wouldn't. I wouldn't lie to anyone and say, I'm a gent, like I'm not. I can be as much of a rogue as anyone. But it's the fact that I'm making the choice not to be. And like, you know that, like, it's it's that thing, like, um, you see peers and then them say, like, you know, it's it's not much good being a, a gardener in a war. You know, it's that thing, like, like I, I have the same ability to be aggressive. I have the same ability to be an arsehole as anyone else. But it's the choice is not being that. It's the same as, like, I'd love to go to the pub every weekend, but I can't. Because then I'm not going to get to do whatever I want to do 
instead or you know like so it's it's that constant like discipline and saying that's the easy road and the easy road is easy rewards but they don't last and it's just like I've literally bet myself into my brain the last five six years of that what's uh, what put that fire in your belly I think I've seen a lot of people who made lives they didn't like and made choices they weren't happy with such as you personally as well. well me personally I've made lots of I would say it's a fucking it's a file of fuck ups behind me you know um, but 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 the biggest thing is like I just seen because I always worked in areas and stuff like even construction you're looking at guys that are maybe 10 years older than you and they're dealing with divorces they're dealing with they're broke they're dealing with things getting repossessed or whatever you know, and you're just looking at that and you're like well what caused it well, nine times out of ten in Ireland, it's the pub. Like the, the pub seems to be the biggest key back. And it's not even the pub if you were drinking in every weekend. It's the crowd in the pub. If you go to the pub on a Saturday, you don't really do much on the Sunday. So you're not doing any of your own stuff. You're back into work on Monday. You've done nothing for yourself at the weekend. And you do it all again for another five, six days. And it's that constant. For the next 10, 20 years of your life more yeah like I, 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 I want to make this clear like I'm not hating on anyone who drinks I love fucking drinking we all love drinking but it's just there's so many things that stem from it issues wise you know, okay you mightn't be depressed but you're not going to be working on top form from it you know and like you know betting comes out at cards whatever the case like just so many things stem from it and the culture of it and I suppose that's just why like I really just clamped down on myself but the, you also have skin in the game when it comes to adversity and difficulties. This is not coming from a man who's just reading this from a book. No, no, I'm not reading this, any of this from I, a book. I know this, but, but because... Like, life is constantly... I always say to people, I won't use any of my um, experiences in life to excuse my behavior, but I will explain my behavior if I can. If, if it helps me and helps other people, I'll try and explain to people without leaving myself too raw on it. Um, but like life, I would say to anyone, like I had the best life ever. If I die tomorrow morning, I'm very happy and all them things. But at times it was absolutely horrible. And the horrible bits, I wouldn't even share with people. Because it's not worth souring their lips over them things. You know, but. However, you, know, you got over those horrible oh bits. Oh yeah, yeah, you and, get over And them, sharing yeah. that but with someone else would purely, give, them, give them the inspiration to get over their horrible yeah, bits too. Yeah. Like I know, yeah, I know you had a horrible bit when you were 16. Mm, yeah. So like, yeah, so like when I was turning 16, uh, I spent it in a Garda interrogation room and when I was being accused of rape, falsely accused of rape, um, it was it's classed as like statutory rape because you're under 17 of uh, a minor who was my own age. Say. And uh, it was just a case of like, they were somebody who probably was having trouble at home and different things and I ended up kind of Bearing the being there cry for help or something. I don't know how to word it exactly, but like that fucked me up in the head massively. Mm. That's not just a matter of uh, an incorrect accusation. No, and, no, no. Oh, like for so, men, for men, that is the ultimate accusation. Mm. I don't know what the equivalent to an accusation against a woman. If if if, if you think of like, if you want to ruin any man's life, that's the ultimate way to do it. Like, I'd take murder over that any day. Wouldn't you? 
to an extent. And yeah. I know, but what I'm saying to you is you've been accused of that in a different sense. Not so much accused, but you had that situation that just dawned on me there now. But yeah, well, I've been in a similar situation yeah, as yourself, yes. but for different reasons. Like when I was 18, I was I was convicted yeah. for dangerous driving yeah. causing death, but that was something I did do. Yeah. You know, this wasn't a false accusation. Yeah, no, you were, yeah. So, and of course, I had to live through the, the whole process of yeah. courts and sisters and the trauma and the shame and mm. the guilt and the grief of it all, um, which I didn't do very well for a good decade anyway. Of course, But yeah. what I'm trying to say is it's it's not just a false accusation and then at some point down the road, it's, oh, sorry, we're actually, we got this wrong. No, this no. does, this has a, that's what you for a life. very massive ripple effect for because, many years. Yeah. Because everyone around you is influenced by that. You can look and look in the news in recent years, look at any man who's been accused of that stuff. He is wrote off by society because it doesn't matter. You'll see them come out six months later, all oh, charges have been dropped and whatever. Damage is done. His reputation is gone. That is it. Now, okay, them guys are big, powerful guys. They have lots of money. In the grand scheme of things, they probably don't really care. Okay? But when you're 16 years of age, you're a young lad, you have your whole life ahead of you, no more than you your whole life ahead of you, it's like your whole life is over. Because in a sense, it is. And that's what it, that's what it feels like. And uh, what I was trying to explain there, like, there's no equivalent, I think, of an accusation made against a woman. There's no particular accusation against a woman that ruins her life like that. And I have lots of love for women. I'm not picking at the women, but I just want to, I suppose, say to them in the sense that we don't have that title, that category that we could throw at them that would ruin their life like that. You can call a woman a gold digger. You can call her lots of things, but they don't have the same ring to it as rape. There is nothing that, as I said, is just that final thing like that word to, mm. to wreck somebody's life. And as I said, I don't have any hate for the person who's done that to me then. Like, I understand the bigger picture of what they could have been dealing with in the home and different things and I don't know what influenced that whole thing coming about. And I spoke about it on a podcast before like with David Cuddy and that in itself was groundbreaking for me to be able to say that and it was a very last minute fuck it moment I just said it. And like there were shackles coming off me like I can't explain it. and I said it to him you know the months after you know the messages I got off lads who maybe been through similar things or different things or whatever. But like I said to David, I was like, that just, that was life changing for me. To be able to say that out in the open. There's a release there, yeah. Yeah, massive. Because uh, although you weren't sent to jail, you no, can no. very be easily become imprisoned in your own. In your own head. Head, yeah. yeah. Which you were. Which I was, yeah. Like, how, did, how did that affect your life from 16 onwards? Well, like, what I changed? I remember that summer, like I would say, as a, and I said before, like, I wasn't suicidal, but I wasn't great. You're very kind of hit and miss and, you know. Was there a lot of uh, unknown about that in terms of that you could actually be accused and yeah. go to jail? Like, yeah. what, what, like, where did it go from being so, so falsely accused? I remember, then? as I said, so the, it was the morning of my 16th birthday, so I was pulled out of bed by my father, like literally pulled out of the bed onto the floor, bang. And he goes, oh, fucking guards at the door looking for you. And, I said, like, there's five different reasons I, I thought the guards were at the door, but none of them were for what I found out. And he said, they're accusing you of rape. Statutory rape. They said at the door, my father said to me in the bed, and um, the whole day just progressed that you had to go to school and talk to the year head, vice principal, the principal. They were advocating for me. They, they didn't think I was capable of this. They knew there was certain issues in the house or at the home of that person. And 
um, it progressed that you have to get a solicitor and you go to the guard station and you're with your parents and they don't really believe you. They want to believe you, but do they believe you because you're a mad young lad, right? So you have been in fights and you're drinking and you're doing all these different things that point to like, yeah, he, he could be capable of this, right? So you're, you're not doing yourself any favours in that sense. And then the guards are treating you like, we know you've done this. And they're trying to intimidate you. And, you know, you have to sit there with, an, with an, a massive amount of shame, you know, because I've let my parents down. Over something you haven't done. Over something you haven't done, you know? Because like, I remember saying that to the outlet, like, I wouldn't mind if I bet somebody up or something, like I'm getting blamed for something I've done, but like, I haven't done anything here. And like that whole summer then you're dealing with the the odd check-in from the guards and different things and I went back into school the following September to try and do a leave and certain exited out. It was the same time that Larry Murphy was taken out of jail and I remember them sticking photos out of the sun all over my school books and stuff. And Who was Larry Murphy? Uh, he killed was it nine or ten women and raped them. Oh, but okay. he was released from prison at the same time. It was just a bad coincidence. Mm-hmm. And it was young lads like, this is the worst part. When I look back, it's like, I could have been capable of doing the same thing if I was one of the boys. Because we go, that's great crack. And that's funny. Like, mm-hmm. fuck him. But it's to having the acknowledgement at least that you know you could be the same asshole mm-hmm. given the chance because you're only young lads. Yeah, just sticking, st- you'd be the same man sticking up yeah. a photo of a... F- yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think when you realise you suffer with the same... Uh, bad qualities as your peers, it opens your eyes to a lot of things, you know, when you see that we're all capable of being gobshite, mm. you know, um, but but definitely that summer and those years after, and even probably still, there's that element that like, you feel like society could just ruin your life in a second, you know, and, and I'm not going to say that I had any hatred towards women after their girls or anything, but, but I think that probably there is something underlying there between you know, that and your mother and like, there's definitely like that female wound or something. I don't have a word for it. Yeah. So there's a, there's a wound or there's a hurt towards women because they can potentially turn around and, yeah. and yeah. cause pain in yeah. your life. Yeah. 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 As I said, I don't have a word for it. I don't really, I wouldn't sit there and say, oh, I don't like, you know, like I hate women or they're all psycho. Like I'm not one of those people that would say, oh, that's not my thing. Problems with me. Like I know that. But it's the main thing to acknowledge that like sometimes if I don't trust somebody, I know it's because of all that is the reason. And I would be someone I don't trust anyone. But unfortunately, life has taught me not to. Mm. And it's to find that vulnerability to trust someone in the future is really what I suppose I'd be seeking. But it's also to be able to trust yourself because Mm. whatever's come at you, you've overcome it. Despite the... Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Despite the pain that, that was caused. Mm. you survived it yeah. you know you're stronger but, but, and more capable but and, see that's the thing like, that, that was never a closed or nothing it's just kind of left off so there's no false accusation and did the guards come to you one day at the door and said actually yeah. you know what no, we got yeah. this wrong yeah that's basically what happened in the September after so about four months after four or five months four after months. Yeah. That's mm. a, you're talking a long, it's a long time to talking May, May to September yeah Yeah, it's a long time for people to fucking start talking and well, yeah, there was lots of just at some amount of rows now during that because uh, you, you were targeted as well yeah yeah I was targeted by other young lads in our area and different things and had a couple of good tear ups actually from it yeah but you, you on your own yeah versus yeah several others yeah yeah 
because it can be just you know yourself it can be just jeering outside a shop or something like that and you were only going in and a bit of shoving and pushing and look like most altercations they don't really ever last more than 30 seconds or a minute and just get in the hardest dig you can on the cunt and knock him hmm. you know and I think like that's good for you too like look that I suppose I don't have any pride in saying that kind of stuff but I'm not ashamed of any well of you had to stand up for yourself too yeah. didn't you yeah but yeah. It, I, I get the sense that it was a very lonely period for in your life yeah yeah very long like the whole world is fucking against me here because here's the thing like none of my family knew do you know what I mean like my cousins didn't know we're trying to make sure your nanny doesn't find out do you know this sort of thing my parents had a massive amount of shame from it mm. and I understandably mm. do you know and um, because you come from that family and it's, it's yeah, all, it's all yeah, linked, yeah. It's linked to and, and what's worse is actually you know when you look at like with things like that you're already the black sheep in the family anyway because you're the adopted one. You're the one who doesn't go to school. You're the one who's causing trouble. You're the one who's getting in fights. Yeah, You're the one with too big of a mouth. Because I've always been against the grain. You know, I, like I literally came out with a womb defiant. Like that's just how I've been all my life. I don't know. Did the Matrix not get me if you want to call that? I'm just not pre-programmed like that. I always seen issues with authority. I always questioned authority. Whatever the case was. So now you really have the magnifying glasses on you. Now you've done this. On top of all the rest of the stuff you know. Mm. And, and that's coming from authority. It's coming from... Yeah, well, it's coming from a guard. Like. Yeah, guards and sisters yeah. and yeah. whoever else is, is in there. And But then it's also, as you mentioned, you're not somebody that was a big uh, school goer. You, yeah. yeah. you prefer to go out, out working and, mm. and do all that, which again, I admire because I can see traits of that in... My own son, Mason, yeah, yeah. you probably see a lot of videos. Yeah, I see him. He's yeah, got the he's hammer nails and the saw yeah. in the wood. Yeah, so yeah. I'm thinking this man's fucking wasted in school. But um, that's another topic. But uh, what you have or what you had and what you still mm -hmm. have today, it's it stood for you as, as, as the man you've, yeah. you've become. And you didn't become, you didn't allow yourself to to be filtered into this society where you're sitting down in an office just mm. pushing buttons every day this and that no. and completely compromising your own values and your own and you see in school months. in school as well like especially if you're trouble in school first thing they want to do is medicate you there's not enough talk about that now that was I still think that that was very early on like it's very prevalent now obviously because every kid has ADHD now every kid is autistic every kid has Asperger's every kid and what is the one solution for them all tablets there's no addressing issues there's no working to a child's advantage it's judging a goldfish's ability on its ability to fucking climb a tree like if if, if you were in school today you'd be classed as I'd be uh, if you wanted to know all my titles dyslexic dyspraxic dyscalculia touch os Asperger's how do you pronounce Aus it Asperger's yeah, yeah. ADHD you name it but like if you, you, were, look, you, you, you were given all these labels but if you look at me as a man today you wouldn't you'd say he's a bit of a tick over but that's about do you know like they could ruin a child's life very quickly. Yeah. And I labels. Yeah. I think this is what has happened, especially in the last 15 years. They have ruined people's lives by telling children they're stuck in that box. These are your limitations. That's your maximum. This is your minimum, right? You won't excel because of all these things. And I see it now through different industries I've worked in and working in your under, like the apprentice or just the day laborer or the guy who comes from school who's 16. And he's such little uh, belief in himself. Some of them, and they're getting sent to us anyway because they're probably not the brains of the operation in school, right? 
direction or send them off at that there. Yeah, but they're not the brains in school, but they have they have other great could, qualities. Yeah, like they could have voted as as you did. Yeah, you yeah. know, you weren't. But but you see, like I see, you could say something to them like, "Oh, sure, I can't do that. I'm dyslexic." And I turn around, and go, "I'm fucking dyslexic too. There's no excuses in life." Like, it's a fashion, it's a trend, mm. but it is their excuse. It's ultimately their excuse. You hear everyone, "Oh, sure, I can't do that. I'm ADHD, or I'm on tablets, or I'm." I seen lads I went to school with who, who whose parents probably were more forceful than mine. Although my parents were forceful, but you just couldn't do anything with me. I was a lot bigger than my outlet, so like a wrestling match wasn't going to occur. Like, <laughs> do you know? Yeah. But I just put the foot down. Like I'm not taking medication. That the medication was almost. I was being forced. Was pre- presented. Yeah. I was being forced. Yeah, I was being forced. School t- by the teach. Uh, I don't know. What, would it be the education system? If you miss so many days of school, like. Yeah, you got a world of trouble on your on your plate, like. And the answer was medication. You actually mm. were presented with medication, mm. yeah, and uh, that would have completely numbed you. It makes them into zombies, yeah. And I've seen those lads since, and they never excelled because. But they, they, so the, there's other friends of yours that did. Yeah, the well, lads I went to school and I watched them now because you can like everyone's on social media. You can just watch how their life progressed and different things. And I'd look back and I'd say he was actually a smart chap. Like he was good at sports, or he was this, or he was that. And they limited him by their beliefs, by their brackets. And they could have done it as easy to me. And it's the biggest thing now, like, I'm not saying this in this podcast. Anyone can use that as the excuse now, sure. Oh, he had this happen when he was younger and he had this diagnosis and this, that, and the other. People can say what they like about me. I don't give a fuck. It's not limiting. It's just not. And and all them bullshit titles need to be, you need, it's fine if a teacher says to you, your child has this, right? Don't be telling the fucking child he has it. Why are you limiting him with your beliefs? You don't know what he's capable of if you work to his advantage. Do you know? Mm. And and that is a major issue now. Like I just see it, as I said, from looking at younger cousins or kids even out when I'm out in jobs, you'd be out in farms. I was on a farm not that long ago. I'm not advocating for this, right? The man had a three-year-old son and he, you could hear him squealing down the yard. And I said, what's he doing? He goes, oh, he's in getting the eggs out of the chicken coop. The next thing, the other lad drove by who was about nine or ten on a loading shovel. <laughs> on a what? On a loading shovel, like a big JCB loading shovel. Oh, okay. like this is this knocked down a house. He was, he, was, he was driving it? Yeah, this nine, other lad nine, is nine, nine or ten. Right? Nine. And the father's here with me. I was doing a tire for them. And next thing, the other little lad comes up and he's no more than three foot tall and he's all the eggs gathered up in his hands and he's dropping them and everything. And I was like, that child has no limiting beliefs. And then he, he was... Annoying the father, would you go down there now and fork in the side? It's like this child wouldn't even be able to pick up a fork. Off he tots, off down the yard, can't even see him. Now, health and safety go bananas, right? But them young lads, as long as they don't die, will excel every lad around them. Hmm. They'll have the cars when they're 17, 18, because they'll have worked for it. They'll have that want to get it. Okay. They'll find out, okay, buying cars is a waste of money and time. But you know what I'm saying? They'll have that drive. They'll want the car, they'll want the house. They want to take over the farm. They have that drive. Because they have the belief. Because they, they have the belief. Yeah. They have the responsibility. They're given responsibilities early. And they learn that daddy trusts me. That's a major thing. The power that gives to you when you're young. And I remember my uncle. And my uncle was a man of few words. Um, but like it, to an extent, he kind of reared me on the farm. And uh, From what age? From very early. The, the first ever bottle fed to me in that family was fed by him. And that's when the bond, they actually stopped in with my relations coming back from collecting me 
from the adoption center and there's a photo of him feeding me a bottle and I always said that was how the bond was made like you know but I can look back and I remember you know you're in school all week you can out to him at the weekend and he said what's wrong with you you were in trouble this week or you done whatever and I go should I fucking teach her and this and that fuck them what do they know can't you drive a tractor yeah can't you do this yeah so what the fuck are you wondering what he's saying to you and that that helped me immensely like because mm. as I said instead of what you can't do what yeah, you can do yeah, yeah. Like I remember, I remember um, certain things like that. Like we used to do all types of stuff. You'd be doing building, putting up stone walls and everything. Like I remember 12, 13 years of age and he said, like, there's not one of your teachers going to lift that rock. Like, you know, be acknowledgeable to your qualities. Like you're doing bloody nerdy strong man training, lifting these big boulders up in walls. But he's working to your advantage. Yeah, he didn't know he was doing that. He's just trying to be a good uncle and he's getting free labor. So he's delighted with himself. Do you know what I mean? But it's to, when when young men have them opportunities, they can excel immensely. But he's also transferring something from him to oh, you yeah, as well. Yeah. Yeah, and between teachers. him and my father and all my uncles and family, like in fairness, the family I was adopted into, very unique, even on both sides, like my adopted mother and my adopted father, their families are concrete. They're a, they're. They're well put together people. They're driven people. Okay, they all have careers. Like amongst the whole of it, I'm the pleb. Like, but that's okay. Like, I'm not treated any different. They all know I work and I do my own thing. Whatever. I don't have a big degree or I'm not a teacher. Or I'm not these things. But I was always the one that was there on the farm. And like that too, they understood that's my place. You know. But you're watching them as an example. Like they all go to work. They all do whatever. They're into sports. They're into this and the other. And they have that, they're able to sit in a room and have a debate. They might not agree, but they behave as a family should, I suppose, for the most part, you know. And, you know, like any other family do, then you're going to have issues and things come up. And, you know, I've seen that with the end of my father's life, like he had different troubles with business and family and how that goes on. And that's all educating to you too. You have to wise up for that also. Mm-hmm. Was, it, was it the uncle and that instilled the belief in you or was it a blend of... Different people? I would say, really, my, my uncle and my father. I would always say I'm the making of the both of them. Really. Do you know? Mm. I would say my father's more meticulous. He's more taught out. He was more the gift of the gab. He was all that side of me. The work ethic. I would put more down to my uncle, although my father was a great worker and he was keen in his craft and things like that. But that kind of grit in the teeth was more from the uncle. Like just get over, lift it, shift it, do whatever you have to do. He was tough. Do you know what I mean? And he instilled that toughness in me, looking at it that way. Um, You're the best of both, then. Yeah. Yeah, and without them, like you, you think to yourself, well, if I was in a council estate, then you can see how wrong it gets when you don't have that influence. I'm only as good as I am because of the environment I was in, and I still went so wrong. This is the other thing, like. You could, even in the best environment, you can still end up in the fucking wrong place, wrong time. You can have the wrong mindset. You can put, like, you know, then you see people, as I said, they're just dealt a different handicaps. They don't have any chance in a lot of ways. I'm not saying that excuses their behavior, but people don't have enough an acknowledgement to say, well, where's their positive influence? Do you know, because it's just all around them. Mm-hmm. And then you're looking at, yeah, is it drug dealing? Is it whatever? stealing is it whatever the vice might be so you get very grateful then you know 
you're uh, you talked about the the gift of the gab and being against the grain, which again, mm-hmm. as I said to you at the beginning, it was something I admired greatly about you. And this gets a lot of pushback, mm-hmm. and you get a lot of hate for it, which again, I'm aware of, and, mm-hmm. and and I've had my fair share too. But why do you continue to persevere with that, despite all the pushback, despite all the negativity that you may feel or hear? Mm-hmm. Why continue to push forward with it? What's well, first thing I'm going to say for the haters, and I love this particular one. Oh, so you just love yourself? You love the big, like I'm the long acre, or this kind of crap. This is this is something you hear. Yeah, that's something here. But what I want to say to people is, if you want to be popular, if you want to be Mr. Popular, you wouldn't be saying the stuff I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah? It's easy to please people. It's easy to be popular. You know this now in the fitness industry and all that, it's very easy to be popular if you say all the right things people want yeah, to hear. Just suit the narrative. But, but if you're like yourself or maybe like James PT or some of these guys who, who talk a little bit against the grain and say certain things and are blunt on other things, then you'll find enemies very quick. But you can still grow through that because you're attracting the right people. And this is my point. Like I always say that, but that particular thing annoys me when people are like, oh, you're on social media for your own benefit and you're on it for these things and it's ego and it's this. If you're doing it for all them reasons, you'd be saying the right things to get noticed. You'd be saying the right things to get brands. You'd be saying the right things to get women. You'd be saying, you know what I mean? I am doing this because these things need to be said when I talk. I'm not the, edu- I'm not the most educated person. I haven't the language for half the stuff I'm saying. I'm saying in layman's terms on my interpretation of what is happening. And through that, it gives other people power. It makes them feel like they're not alone, whether it was about mental health, whether it was about COVID and all the nonsense that went on and the lies that were told, or, you know, through farming and different things. Like, I, I touch on so many subjects. I always say to people, the Long Acre page is there kind of for, for what it does. It's not there for me. Like for the last two weeks, I've been highlighting some key topics about the referendum, you know, and about women and about free speech and about different things. And people message me and it's always lads message, oh, you stop sharing all this shit. Unfollow. That's all I respond to them. Just unfollow. That stuff has to be spread. And it's amazing what a little bit of people power, like um, just myself and a couple other accounts, we managed to get this particular petition for free speech, just pushed over the line at 10,000 followers or 10,000 signatures. And like, that's just from a couple of us sharing. So if you could get the popular pricks, and this is what aggravates me so much about these influencers, and these people who think that they're so fucking special. If they had any sort of decency to use their page for good, for real good, not for popularity, right? Not for an ego stroke. If they used it for good, the changes you could see happen, the, the power in people and the movements you could create would be unbelievable. But they won't because they're afraid of their little brand deal. They're afraid what such and such a person's going to say to them. And ultimately, they're cowards. I don't take much argument with the women involved, but definitely for the men. And I've had someone message me, and I get these messages out to them, oh, I love what you're saying and all that. I'm like, right, share my post. But you won't, because you're afraid. So if you're going to send me a message saying you love what I'm doing and you're not doing what I'm doing, fuck off. End of story. You've no integrity. You've none. I get a, a, a sense of frustration and anger from you when you... When you when oh you yeah, but like this, I've yeah. met these guys in person also. Mm. Like, get away from me. If you're not going to honour that, fuck off. And there's so many of them. And you know, like, you can pick them. They're, they're everywhere. But they are now the modern media. Like, they're the modern 
telecaster, they're the broadcaster, because nobody watches RTE. So it's coming through their agencies on what the narratives they want pushed. You see when there's a massive agenda or an incident that happens in a country in Ireland, all the influencers go the one way. This was what was the problem. This was the issue. And they all work in a clean sweep together. It's pushed through the agencies. They're told what to say. They're told to make that content. They don't do that at their own, you know, um, initiative. Mm-hmm. And you see then how, how really those marketing agencies are being used. What's the message you're trying to push the most at the moment then? I suppose the importance of free speech, the, the importance of... Why is, the, why is the free speech so important? Well, you and me wouldn't be allowed to have this conversation, only for it. Did you feel like your own free speech was taken away as well at some point? And well, like I think you, 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 even now, like if, if you make a video and you touch on certain things, it's deleted. Mm. It's not warned anymore, it's deleted. I had one particular video that went viral, went viral once and it has millions and millions, like I think somewhere upwards of nearly 50 million between all the different shares I got off other people who stole it off me, right? which I don't care. The message got out there, that's the main thing. Which was what? Uh, there's a video of me flipping a wheelbarrow and discussing um, the likes of illegal migration and to do about the warnings online that a warning only comes on when it's the truth. But if it is, you know, somebody who is promoting the sexualization of children, they won't have a warrant under their label. Yeah, it's okay to influence young kids to make irreversible decisions on their bodies. But it's not okay for me to say that the government are a pack of beep to beep. Mm. I think I remember that video, yeah. Mm. That one got a massive pull. You were uh, flipping a, a wheelbarrow whilst yeah. talking? or yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like that was just the one that just really went ever. But as I said, everyone robbed the, the, the video of it. I didn't benefit financially or anything from it, but I don't care because the message got out there. And just on a side note, like it's that's another psychological thing you have to come to terms with when you're doing stuff online. It's like if you were to say to a boy who when he was 10 or 11 that millions of people would watch you and actually care what you had to say, it's a mind-blowing thing. Hmm. I don't know if you get what I mean by that, but like it, that, I remember that particular week. I was like, "That he, that that he matters, is it?" Or yeah, the, well, not the matter. His matters, opinion matters, or his voice matters. Maybe that you can make a difference. Yeah. Not that so much I matter. I wouldn't really have the opinion, which is something you, what you wish you you would have heard when you were ten or eleven years old, or well, I suppose when you're being told you have all these issues hmm. and that you can't do things or you can't make a difference, or you know, you were, whatever you were being heard the opposite, nearly. Yeah. From certain people. Yeah, but then when you realize that, you know, you can make, as I said, little differences. Like all, say, as I said, those millions of people, they don't watch that for the sake of it, especially when it's stuff they don't like hearing. Hmm. So it's good to know that there's a good community of people out there who are wide awake, like, and who do support you, whether your own people do or not, it's a different thing, but. Maybe, yeah, one eye open, maybe perhaps, perhaps, and, uh, hmm. Well, a lot of them, they can hear said, the message, but they're not willing to yeah. initiate the action. Yeah. Or, but that's a lot of it, and a lot of it to do with you know men in particular nowadays. Like they're all just quiet side boys. They won't, they won't stand up and say anything for any cause. They have been distracted between, as you are saying, you know, between porn and vaping and energy drinks and cocaine and whatever. They are just in a blinkered view. They don't care what goes on in the world around them. It doesn't affect me. It doesn't whatever. And they're just living in their little Peter Pan bubbles. I don't know, would you agree with that statement or not? Yeah. 
But, yeah. but again, it's society that compounds us with these comforts yeah. and distractions yeah. that comes at us and it's, it provokes the vulnerabilities within mm. these individuals, within these men, because these are things that have incredible dopamine hits and yeah. the dopamine is addictive and then you become addictive and then the addiction becomes a distraction and then that distraction just keeps you mm. again in that but Peter Pan syndrome. But it was funny, the second part of the wheelbarrow video, I don't know, no, part two, and I touched on, I was like, all you guys are now sitting at home with your lad in your hand and you're sucking on the vape and watching porn up. You don't care what's going to happen to your country. That one got such a reaction back. You had all these guys with avatars and their profile pictures writing in the comments and they're bam, 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 bam. It's always the avatars. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, there's nobody with the real face coming at lads like myself. There's not really, like, you don't get that. You know? But it's because they know themselves they're a degenerate like well you, they're they're provoked because they're you've provoked, just you've, yeah. you've poked a, an underlying truth that they're yeah. unwilling to yeah. accept but they know that like as I said like the Peter Pan lifestyle is not the one they were reared to be it's one maybe they've created for themselves but it's not how their grandfather would have said you should be mm -hmm. you know and then they'll tell you that, that times have changed yeah yeah bullshit mm. I was in, I stopped for a coffee before I came here in McDonald's there over the road. And uh, it's like school children's time or whatever. So the amount of grandparents in there with their grandchildren, it's just like, they were the best days. Do you know, like, it was just looking, sitting around me, like there was loads of, just say a grandfather was granddaughter or grandkids or whatever. And it's like, what do they think of what's going on? Mm -hmm. Do you know, like if you were to sit there and start interviewing people and asking these people in their 70s and that, what do they think? And are they like, okay, they have very young grandchildren. But like if the grandkids that were 16 to 21 now at the moment, what would they think of them? Mm -hmm. If they've blue hair and piercings and can't tell you if they're a cat or a boy or a girl or... Like, what are they thinking all that? Mm -hmm. They must be disgusted to a certain extent. But there'd be a certain disappointment there, I think, massive, because of massive. the work and effort that they've put yeah. into their life to rear their sons and daughters and yeah. then this is the offspring of that's your legacy daughters. yeah imagine looking at that as your legacy hmm. where are you at now in terms of um, life um, of life yeah <laughs> of uh, was it, you, you, living the nightmare chasing the dream living the nightmare <laughs> I like that so in terms of um, you know you, you talked about that like, accusation when you were 16 and hmm. how you struggled to trust people perhaps mm. especially women yeah. where where does that leave you now in terms of relationships in your life well, what, I, I only ever had one I suppose key relationship like I was with somebody for whatever seven and a half years roughly and that ended through a number of different things and it's a long relationship yeah and it's um, we finished up in 2019 but this was in the middle of me starting the long acre land and trying to build a house and trying to do what the original generation were programmed to do, which is buy land, build house, have wife, have kids. And like most people were trying to do that before they were 32, 34. Was she to be your wife back yeah, then? Yeah, yeah, she yeah. Was, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But the biggest problem with that was too, like I, was, like I wasn't ready for that in an emotional state probably. You think you were. But it's in like you only know what you know. Yeah, but like I look at myself there now and I'm like, geez, I was only 16 when I was 24. Do you get what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, like I had so many things, it might not be invisible, but like so many things wrong with me. 
that I hadn't dealt with, that I hadn't healed, and I was my own worst enemy in some ways. And, you know, like, that relationship was savage for me, and I think most people would say that, you know, you need that in your life too. And you mean then, savages in a bad way? Cause I no, no, no. Savages in a good way. Like, okay. like, like the relationship was good for you. Yeah, okay. Um, it was important for you. It was crucial for you. It was all them things. And Women are great teachers. Yeah, yeah. And then the ending of it was even better for me. That was the beginning of like a new life for me. Because I had to sit there and go, oh, Jesus, like what have I done to myself? Do you know that sort of way? Mm. And, and it's the build up. Because when you're at rock bottom or what you think is rock bottom in life, the only way is up like. And then, you know, you get regimental, like, and it was kind of actually around that time, like, I really was like, right, I'm not going to drink for six months because I'm not going to find any, any answers in the pub. All I'm going to find there is problems. So I remember I went off. I said, for six months, I'm not going to drink. I went clean eating. I was training, you know, CrossFit pretty regularly. And I was in the process of doing a lot of work at the weekends up on my land and different things like that. And I suppose I was very focused that way. I hadn't. I had the long acre page at the time, but it was only like I was taking photos and that was it. And um, watched an incredible amount of probably Jordan Pearson and other people at the time. And, you know, that was just looking on YouTube and it was just kind of to find some path of self-development or betterment and done a bit of counselling and different things. And it was a mismatch of everything what helped me get back on my feet, maybe in an emotional level. Mm -hmm. And um, that brings you to, you know, where you are today. And I've kind of dated a couple of people since, but nothing quite clicked right. And that's none of their, their fault. Like, I always, this is a long acre quote if anyone wants to steal it, but we're all jigsaw pieces. Sometimes the pieces fit, but the pictures don't match up. And that's the way I view it. Like, and especially in this day and age, like, it's just, you're going to find a hundred people that might seem the right match for you. Because you have such an accessibility to find people now. You know, like you could find somebody who seems like your soulmate in America, Australia, if you look hard enough. But then when it really comes down to key things. Values. Value, like value is a major thing for me, but it's, you have to feel a connection. Mm -hmm. And it, it's hard. And I've spoke about this with some lads lately. It's like, can you not find the connection or are you not capable of connection? Are you resisting it in some yeah. way? Yeah. So like, like I know if I looked back in the last couple of years, like I've been on lots of dates, no problems. Like I went on lots of dates and coffee dates and you meet people because you don't know until you actually meet someone in person. I'm not into this chatting. I don't do Tinder or any of them things. Anyone who I have spoken to, I found throughout the Long Acre page and stuff because women contact me and different things. And um, you give people the benefit of the doubt and like I'll touch on certain key things early on in the chat. And if you don't match up to them things, there's no point us wasting each other's time. Mm -hmm. But as I said, when you meet them in person, then it has to be, there has to be some connection there. Mm -hmm. If there's a bit of a connection, then you can pursue it. And you might find out six months down the road, it doesn't work. But then because of other circumstances in your life, did you let go of a good one? Do you know? Mm. Like maybe I missed one in the last couple of years. But is your resistance to connection down to your lack of trust or the difficulty of you well, to see, trust? You could sit there and you say, well, is it trust? Is it because of what happened when you were born? Is it because of what happened when you were 16? Is it because of the previous relationship? Can you not love again? Like, I know that bothered me for a long time. I was like, um, like, am I still, am I over her? Am I not over her? And like, you can have a complex of those things, you know, because like that, it's such a long amount of time. Mm. And 
you know, like I was talking to even somebody there last year and they were like, I don't mind that we, we finished up. He was saying about their partner. And he was like, I don't mind that we finished up. Don't mind any of that. It's all grand now. Everything's good. He was like, I was there with them. I done this with them. I don't like, he's like 10 years of my life. My only stories involved them. And he was like, that's annoying. Mm-hmm. He's like, because you can't nearly tell a story because they were in it. Like, do you know? And I thought that was an interesting mm-hmm. analogy when he said that, like, but moving forward, I don't, I think I'm going to go on the belief what everyone says you just know when you know. And you also now have the freedom to live your own story yeah. and then choose who, yeah. You, yeah. who you bring in. Yeah. yeah. But then I think the whole online sphere then makes it worse. I, if I could change anything, I would go back and say I would rather I had somebody concrete or permanent partner before I ever done anything online. Because now you deal with the aspect, do they like me or do they like the idea of me? Mm. Okay. And like. But again, is that another resistance that you've up there? Is that a, yeah. is that an unnecessary oh, uh, barrier? Yeah, I think it is definitely. I like, uh, sometimes you're like, you can't trust anyone. You don't want to know, or it's, you know, um, it's easy to say, oh, sure, I don't have time or I'm not prioritizing that or, um, Again, it's trusting yourself, isn't it? Yeah. You know, yeah. 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 And even if you, even if you go through a breakup, it's not, it's not going to kill you. No, you've been through a breakup. You've yeah. been through false accusations. You've been through uh, traumatic experiences through your adoption and yeah, yeah. all of that. And whatever else has come at you, brawls and fights and accusations yeah. of other, other sorts. But hey, yeah. you're still fucking here, aren't you? Yeah. You're still, like, you, and and it's, it's, I, it's, I it's, created, like. it's created more resilience and strength mm. within you as well. And compassion, perhaps, yeah. as well. Massive. But I, I wouldn't rule it out. I just genuinely think, I just don't think it's going to happen any time at the moment. Mm. Like, if I was truthful, if somebody had a gun to my head and said, well, do you think you're going to find in the next two years? And you just, just kind of, it doesn't feel like it. Mm. I feel like I have too much else to do to myself or my life or what I'm trying to, like, let's say, I don't even know my purpose in life, but I feel that I'm starting to realise it more and more with the stuff I do online and, talking to people or whatever the case may be, I feel like I'm kind of following um, a laid out path to an extent. Not like a destiny, but maybe something similar that like I feel life is pulling me along. Mm-hmm. So I'm just kind of following and see where it leads. Trusting it, yeah. Yeah. Um, Trust the path. Yeah, I think kind of your, your, your purpose is sometimes bigger than what you want. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Sometimes it finds you, yeah. Yeah. You just have to be willing to accept it. Yeah, acknowledge it like or something, you know, rather than trying to fight it. Like, because the little boy in you might want to like find someone and be in love and make a family and just, you know, do that life. But maybe that's not the life that's meant Mm. for you. Mm. You know? um, Well, keep doing what you're doing. I think you will, I think you are finding your purpose. I think it's, uh, I think it's being presented to you. Mm. And again, your page is brilliant. A man who speaks the truth, who stands up for what he believes is right, who shows a level of honesty and integrity and compassion and resilience and strength, all these characteristics that seem to be forgotten for many men. So it's not, it's not a finished picture, but we're, we're working on it's it. Not, it's, yeah. it's never a finished no. picture, you know, it, but you continue to paint it. You continue yeah. to yeah. illustrate what you believe is, is right or what mm. you believe should be applied as, yeah. a, as a man in today's world. I think men have uh, 
a certain level of responsibility to step up and to lead others. Massive, and I massive, see, yeah. I see that, I see that leader in you, mm. which is why you're here and what I want to speak to you. And I really enjoy this conversation. For for anyone um, who wants to follow you and mm. see your good work, or perhaps throw you a few jibes. Yeah, oh, I love the <laughs> where, jibes. Where where can they find you? So they can get me on the Long Acre account, and I'm pretty much across all social media platforms. Primarily, it's Instagram where you'll see me active. I'm on stories most nights and that. And then I have the Long Acre lifestyle, which is kind of it's an apparel brand I have. It's kind of up and coming. Brilliant man. Sound for that, Kev. You forgot my t-shirt. I forgot your t-shirt. <laughs> oh, it's a no harm. We'll get we'll get Gavin a long acre hoodie. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Let your PA know that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah for sure. I have to get a PA first. <laughs> Thanks, Morris. Oh, thanks very much. <laughs>